Welcome to Building Conversations, a construction podcast powered by the STO Building Group. On today's episode, Christy Mullen, a member of STO's business development team, will be talking about the ins and outs of commercial real estate technology, or CRE Tech, with Jonathan Schultz, co-founder of Onyx Equities and a thought leader in the commercial real estate technology space. This is part one of our Building Conversations Innovation Series. All right, so let's get started. So I'm Christy Mullen, I'm hosting today, and I am here with Jonathan Schultz, the co-founder of Onyx Equities and an early stage seed investor in various CRE technology groups. Thank you for joining us. And we're here in Bellworks, which I think could potentially be the most appropriate place that we could be hosting today. So Jonathan, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself, tell us how you got involved both maybe in real estate and yep. as well as technology. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yes. I appreciate you coming to my office. And yes, Bellworks is the unbelievable dream that came true. So uh, it's nice to, to have a place here. And you know, I've been in real estate now, oh my God, 30 years. Uh, and I've always loved it because it had a creative aspect to it. Uh, I also told myself when I got into the work world that I never was going to sit at a desk for longer than an hour. So real estate allowed me to do that. It allowed me to you know, learn about other businesses. Uh, I've always liked to be helpful in what I do so, and, and have an impact. And you know, having all these different businesses and, and ability to uh, learn about other things than what I do every day was always uh, fun for me. Right. And real estate is a tangible asset that you know you can see feel and touch it so it always uh, was fun to be involved in and with technology I've always been I guess sort of an addict uh, <laughs> you know even when the first cell phone came out and I'm older than you guys <laughs> where you had to carry it on your shoulder because it was this big power pack that needed to you know you were all for over the battery it. I would do that and <laughs> You know, I had a Palm Pilot. Like I, I always had what was coming out because right. I always was so intrigued about becoming more efficient or just all the new fun things that were were available. And then as real estate, uh, you know, sort of came into the intersection for me with technology was when I started out my brokerage company way back when in the early '90s. CoStar just became, and CoStar allowed me as an entrepreneur to have a brokerage company and, and have it exist. Because all the other companies had millions of dollars to hire other people for data and research. Information then was the secret sauce. Today, you can just get it anywhere, right? So CoStar democratized how I could start something that I couldn't before it existed. Mm -hmm. And I have no investment in CoStar, <laughs> uh, you know, so, so it really was something that allowed me to do something that I wouldn't have been if technology wasn't at play. Right. And, and they had no competitors, especially back then. No. So they were. So, so I've always tried to use it in a way to get myself somewhere where I didn't have the amount of resources that other people did. And technology allows you to do that in many ways, some useful and some completely not useful. Right. So you learn along the way. And uh, that's how I sort of intersected my life right. with both. And I know for you, technology is not only just something that's useful, as you're kind of saying, it's a passion. And you have adopted it yourself, right, in your own personal life. You have your oh, own yeah. technology blog. Yep. I know you have a lot of LinkedIn videos kind of 
trying to help those in the workplace do better, yeah. essentially. So you've really taken it on as like a personal. Well, I think it, you know, and it, you always wonder like how, like w w why did that result happen? I just like learning and doing new things. I'm not afraid to try new things. I'm actually more excited about life when I try new things. So technology allows you to do that. And, you know, we're in the fourth revolution. We really are. So over the next 10 years, I think that there'll be more change than there was over the last 50. Mm -hmm. And we say technology, it's not even technology anymore, it's innovation. Every industry has technology. Mm -hmm. It's embedded now in what we do. We're sitting here doing something that we couldn't do 10 years ago, right? Like even though it looks like a lot, a lot of equipment, you would need lots more to be able to achieve what we're achieving sitting here where you came to visit me in an hour and then we could put that out to the, to the world, right? So I believe, you know, the more you're not afraid to try new things, the more you'll fail, but then the more you'll know eventually how to succeed. And that's what I've been trying my whole life and I'm still trying, so. <laughs> I think you're doing a pretty good job at Thank it. Thank you. So in terms of, as I mentioned before, you're in, um, an early stage seed investor right. in various CRE technology platforms. I know Newsstand being one of them. How do you identify which technologies you think are going to be successful and therefore you're going to put your efforts behind? I would say it's more what I feel I can be helpful in. Uh, and you know, I get involved in stuff that I can be and have an impact on. Uh, things I'm intrigued with that, I, that are new, but I, I think most of it is me feeling something that allows me to be impactful to help that technology. I mean, real estate's my core business, so <laughs> right. it, it, it's, it's what we do. So all these other things to me are just experiments to make what we do better. Right. So the things I get involved in, I get involved in a lot of front-facing tech. So it's stuff that really, in my mind, is helping the tenants who are really our customer. To be successful in real estate, you want your buildings filled, you want them to stay filled. So what can we do knowing that the whole world's changing to avail the people that come to work that are already so entrenched in their personal life with technology? How can they feel that same feeling within the, you know, the four walls of our building? And I say all the time, we're more like hoteliers than we are office building owners at this point because we're acting and you know doing concierge services and all different products that allow us to to make the experience and, and again the experience is still an experiment of what people feel will make them want to have energy to be able to come into your buildings so and stay in your buildings that kind of goes along with the term that you have coined resimercial Resi right so we're trying to make our commercial spaces more like those spaces that we interact with at home. Right. And as you just said, I mean, everything at home now is technology-based. You can watch anything with the drop of a hat. Right. And so you're saying that we need to be able to basically be able to do anything at the drop of a hat in our corporate spaces as well. Yeah, well, I mean, Starbucks, in my mind, really started all this. I, I mean, think back, you know, you went there, you were like, wow, this is cool. We can hang out, we can meet friends, we can have meetings. Uh, it really, to me, was the first co-working space uh, that came on the scene in a more, I would say, uh, 21st century way. I mean, co-working's been around forever uh, in different forms, but this was more of a fun, cool co-working experience. It wasn't just the cubicles where you get a desk and a computer and you work. Mm -hmm. It was more of an environment that made you feel comfortable and, and happy to be in. And then, obviously, as you know, that's just expanded uh, tremendously. And to me, co-working's not leaving. It's, right. it's going nowhere. It's just 
how will it be and what it will it be its best form for the future of you know flexibility which is really what the gig economy and everything that we're going through is trying to accomplish it, right. you know it's the sharing economy it's the gig economy all these phrases all it's all really doing is creating flexibility and hopefully more productivity for the wide variety of people that work at different companies and do different things right and i think we're so used to getting everything instantaneous. I know we've talked about how some of these technologies too are making the leasing process and what can be quite cumbersome in right. terms of real estate. We know that some deals will take years to complete. You're seeing those sped up even, you know, just from the interaction of technology. Oh content, yeah, right? well, it, awareness, like marketing's awareness. Anything that uh, you do to sell a product or service is, is you know, is, is a brand, but how do you create the proper awareness in the right way? And technology and uh, just how we can communicate is, you know, from the platforms that are out there now, it's just, it's tremendous. It gives, it gives people that wouldn't have that ability to do it a way to do it. But now it's a dynamic and a paradigm shift that everybody has to get used to and figure out, like, how does that really work and what does it mean? And if you just look at other industries, you know, recently all the stock brokerage firms are now zero commissions. Mm -hmm. Like things are changing based on how we deploy all this information and, and insight and, and, and how the cost is being compressed because of it actually. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I see that in our business, but it's just interesting to see how technology and information has created a democracy for all, which then has made the, the product actually either more affordable, more accessible, and allowed more people to do it, right? More access, right. which is great. I'm sure brokers are hoping we don't go zero commission. Yeah, listen, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I believe that, you know, everybody plays a role, and even these companies are still playing a role, and just because the trading commissions are zero doesn't mean the services they provide right. aren't gonna, be of value to people and they'll pay for value. Yeah, Everybody's going to pay for value that's necessary to do what you do. Right. So maybe now, if I can switch gears maybe a little bit, okay. given that Structure Tone is specifically a construction company, I know that you feel like construction tech is a major opportunity zone, right? So construction can lend itself to being a bit behind in technology. So. What is it about construction and the technology? Like, where do you see those cost savings? What is it that you think needs to be filled within the construction space by technology where there could be success and what a company like Structure Tone should be looking at? Every company has how they operated in the past and now we're all looking to see how we can become more efficient in the future. And construction's hard. I mean, there's so many moving pieces. Right. There's so many changes. It's on a site that from weather, I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong and you need a lot of people deployed to make sure that it doesn't, right? So most people, when this all started, everybody wanted one thing that could organize all of us, one platform, which other industries have. You know, if you look at like the stock exchange, right? If you look at uh, the human resources field, like Workday and iSIMS, who's, who's in this building, like these platforms are being formed to actually change industries. And a lot of the industries that were regulated were forced to do it more. And it took a lot of time. And now they're up and running and they're doing it. Our industry is just behind, but now completely committed to where we're all going for the future, which is a great thing because our industry obviously has been the last, I think, to really go hyper adoption in anything. Uh, so, the way I look at any of this is 
slowly and, and strategically, what do you want to fix? There's so many people out there with different products that can fix a part of what you do. But if you don't have everyone from on the site to the corporate office to the people in between buying in and believing in it, it just it's just not going to happen fast, if at all. Right. So, you know, I'm a firm believer, you know, they call them point solutions. That's how you get started. You go say, like, what's our biggest pain point and what can we solve over the next year? You find the right early adopters in your organization that really want to take it on and have the passion and energy. Mm -hmm. And you got to realize that most people are not going to want to change what they do. Right. And they're going to fight against it because it's scary. I mean, people don't love to change. They get set in how they do things. And two things. One is it creates more work. And everybody's so overwhelmed on doing a good job, they don't want anything else to take away from that. And then they're worried, like, what's this going to do to my job? What's this going to do to me and where I sit in a position that helps me feed my family, right? So you've got to realize that it's a psychological thing as much as it's a change thing because you want to just change something because you think it's more efficient. Right. So if you take that all into consideration, you find the right people that know how to communicate it or that at least try it to get a nice proof of concept going and then slowly filter it. But it's not top down. It has to be an everyone up okay. for me to uh, believe that the organization actually will succeed. So as somebody that, you know, as a landlord, right, and yeah. we're all service providers, are you looking at service providers and saying, what technologies do you have? Is that an important aspect of somebody that is going to be servicing? Office? Honestly, no. I mean, like sometimes yes, sometimes no. That's not like, a, you know, an easy answer. Companies have reputations, so we're hoping that within how they do things, they're deploying what they need to do to do the job, right? But we have enough to think about for our own stuff <laughs> than to worry you know, as much about what other people are deploying. Now, another thing I want to state, like the human interaction and the people is what makes business work. Mm -hmm. All these things are tools, and some people use the tools better than other will use them, but I think that's how people have to go about thinking why and what they do with like, how will it make the people at your company do better, you know, and enjoy what they do in a bigger way. And sometimes that gets lost, unfortunately. So to, I know it's a long winded answer, but I do believe that everyone that you're doing business with is trying. It's so early. It's not like there's like, a checklist. If you don't not doing this or not doing this, you know we're not going to do business with you. So I don't, right. I don't okay. see that. At least for us, I don't see yeah. that. Yeah. And in terms of cost too, I think that's you know sometimes a prohibitive factor. You were saying we're used to doing the way that we're doing it, therefore we have our strategies in place. Yeah. Um, do you think clients that are being serviced would be willing to entertain some of that cost if? it is going to either speed up their job or if you can prove that i mean you know everything's about uh making people understand that it will work uh when you look back to the supercomputer that ibm filled the room with what was it like it was like millions of dollars for this this one computer now you buy iphones for anywhere from 200 to a thousand dollars and it's the same computing power if you're going to be early in anything you're going to have to realize you are going to be spending money that you may not be able to recapture to be better in the future right. or be the one that waits till everything's proved out and then you'll buy it at the market price that's already there and you won't have that you know first position move right. in why someone may use you more than the other and you just got to decide what is your 
company willing to spend in order to, to do that. And some people will take more risks than others in that, and that's okay. Right. It's all so, the evolution. Going off of spending money, I know that we have talked about 5G right. and how you think that is at the forefront of our future yep. because everything is going to be you know, streaming, everything like that. Now, how are you seeing that impacting you as, in terms of our tenants asking for it yet or asking about it? I don't what think people the... completely understand even what it means or what is necessary to do yet. Okay. Uh, 5G, you know, it, it's, it's millimeter, millimeter technology, and they chose this technology that actually in buildings, it won't penetrate the wall and it won't penetrate the glass. So we're going to have to retool all of our facilities uh, worldwide. Right. to actually utilize 5G in the way that is necessary. So I think we're really early. Uh, I think everybody's trying to figure it out. It will be game-changing because the amount of uh, ability you'll have to stream at the speed you'll be able to have will actually take away a lot of those middle processes that you do, like even how you use the cloud, yeah. right? Like if you don't need to store things to then send it, right. it, it could go you know that fast right away. So it's gonna be interesting to see, and that's the minutia, but the first thing that's necessary is, as owners, we need to understand how to get infrastructure ready for this. Right. So. so are you looking in that right now in terms of taking your buildings that exist already and retrofitting them, or are you thinking about well, this Well, I'm personally trying to learn as much as I can about what it all even means. Okay. And, you know, how it will be useful. Right. Just the basic understanding. You know, we can all go crazy to, to do all this, but like what's useful and when and how and why. Okay. And I think you need to always be asking your questions in everything that you do in any career that you're in. It's good to have a future of how you do things, but what is useful today? And the only way you learn about what's useful is to learn about what, how the technology is going to work, right. uh, how it's going to impact. And I think for me, at least, I'm in the beginning of that. Okay. That process. And so I think what I'm hearing overall is that technology, CRE tech, the 5G, it just at the core has to make businesses run smoother, right? That's gonna well, it's always going to run less smooth before it gets smoother. <laughs> but you Fair just got, you, but you, you, it's just you got to be willing to try what you think will be better for what you have the largest pain point or what you feel you want to fix and just go slow and steady, get the right people involved and just reflect on, on how it's working. Uh, and if it's really just that easy if you want to take that approach. You can make it very overwhelming, or you can know that life's a marathon, not a sprint. And if you look at it that way, I think that you could go and try lots of very cool things that could end up having this gigantic impact. And you may even find things that you thought didn't need to change that can now because you dove into the process of change which not everybody wants to do. We're so busy, it's hard to pivot. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just hard. I mean, when you're a busy company and you've been doing things a certain way for a long time, it's, it's hard to stop that bus or train to then insert a new car in between and then you know, teach the rest of the people on, on how, to, how to make that productive. So since you are invested in so many of these companies, is there a success story that you could share with us that you identified the problem, implemented this technology, and is now kind of a success. I think they're all successful in where they are in the evolution of what they are. Uh, consumer technology can scale much faster throughout the, the world, really, right? 
real estate technology has specific uses. And I think a lot of the companies are, are really getting traction and they're still in business and they're still alive. <laughs> so that's a good thing. That is a good uh, thing. There's companies like VTS and earlier ones that are tremendously successful and they're a staple of how we now look at our leasing process and our collaboration with all the brokers. It, it's like amazing. They have great products and services that keep all the different people within the ecosystem of generating revenue for your building apprised. And they're still progressing, right? right? So I think there's lots of those out there uh, that were earlier that are still in their pursuit to get to where they want to go. But the nice thing is that we have real traction with CRE tech. Mm -hmm. You know, Resi tech was a little bit ahead of us in, in my mind on the commercial side and you got you know some good traction there. Mm -hmm. And I just see lots of companies that are gonna have a, a great success story as time goes on. Good. Yeah. I'm so happy that our industry and CRETech.com CRE right. is having their gigantic conference. Yes, it gets bigger that. and bigger every year. It's two days. Uh, Michael Beckerman, who's the CEO and founder, is amazing. He, he created an ecosystem that allows everybody to congregate and talk about the pains and the successes that we're having trying to achieve all this. He's bringing owners and technology companies and VCs all together to have a real conversation so that we all can figure it out. See, this has to be done together because apart, it's going to take forever. So at the beginning, nobody knew how to really live in that world because you know everybody feels in business, it's all about competition. But if you really want to drive forward and make it work for an industry, not just what you're doing in your own company, he created that vehicle. So things like that that's happening is exciting right. and it just keeps getting bigger every year. So because we are a construction company, uh, kind of something that we've come up against lately is having a shortage of skilled labor, aka the, the carpenters, the you know the mill workers, those types of jobs, those jobs that were really specialized more back in the day, but because of a rise in college and, and all of those things, people are choosing other careers now. Is that a hole that you feel technology might be able to fill at some point or help with? And in what ways? Well, you know, you have millennial and Gen Z going to be 50 plus percent of the workforce. The millennials are now 40. Like, can you believe it? We've been saying that word for so long as if they're this new species coming into the world. And they're 40 now, which is awesome, right? They've helped us all rethink as a society and as a workforce, like how to do things differently. So technology can actually bring a cool factor to construction that maybe it doesn't have in their minds. But I do see in other industries, the more progressive you are on making that change, that's very hard and it's gonna take time and you have sort of the clashing of the Xers and the boomers on who's gonna come in and how you do it. I think you have a chance to maybe get more people that will wanna come in because the use of the technology will create a whole new intrigue on how construction's being done and being transformed for the future. Mm -hmm. So as much as you need it to become more efficient, I think if the labor shortage is going to continue, you better figure out how to automate certain things that are happening through robotics, through other through bots, through other technologies, so you can fill that gap anyway. So right. there's two issues, and they're both really pressing, right? So, but I do believe if you are progressive and you offer all these new ways of doing things, because you know the new workforce is capable of, of, of that. You know, people being born today have their phones earlier. It's an appendage. It's like having a third arm. 
So I think that's very important for you to address as an industry. Right. How you do it, you'll have to live and learn, figure it out. But I think it's important. Absolutely. So I guess, again, I'm going to pivot a little bit here. So you kind of have been a mentor to me since I have joined Structure Zone okay. two and a half years ago, right? This is our kind of our second cool little thing we're doing together. Okay. A bit of a dynamic duo. Yep. Who's somebody in the business that you look up to and that has been a role model for you throughout your career? It's interesting. You know, I can't name one person. I'll tell you, though, what I feel has given me the energy that I've had throughout my career is that I've never been afraid to go out and seek different mentors for what I'm doing at the time I'm doing it. And whenever you wanna learn something new and deploy that in your life, I've always felt the more people I could bring around me for whatever I'm doing that are smarter and better and more sophisticated than me at it, I always knew I was gonna learn from them and I called hanging around the basket mm -hmm. uh, and hanging around the hoop. And it served me well. And I also mentor lots of people now, but I always say, like, who else do you got? Like, it better not just be me. Right. Because I'm only one perspective projecting my own stuff out on what I feel has been helpful to me. So I'm all about get as many coaches and mentors in your life as possible because I think that you'll learn a lot. Right. So I also know in one of our first meetings, you gave me a book. So what is a book that you would oh. recommend right now or that you have read in the past to our listeners? You know, I just downloaded it and you'll ha we'll have to Google it if you want right now. <laughs> Brian Grazer just wrote a book on networking and relationships and the humanness of life. And I just think with all the technology and all of us staring at our phones, I mean, once I put my screen time tracker on, <laughs> I actually look at it so I can keep myself from going too crazy on, on all this stuff. But I think that the next 15 years with the speed of how everything's gonna move, we're not getting less attached to our technology, we're getting more attached to it. That like emotional intelligence, social intelligence, the interaction of human to human to me is gonna be a skill set that you're gonna need to know because with automation, robotics, and, and all the, the AI, and it's really augmented intelligence at this point, the biggest thing that'll help you is having the ability to actually interact, right? Because a lot of the other stuff, the minutia that we really all don't want to do will tend to slip away outside into that world. So I believe we should be focused really on, on, on how to have real great nourishing relationships with personal and, and your business life. Well, I think that's a great way to end a technology-based podcast here to keep in mind that at the core of everything is still making sure you're a good person right? and people want to be around you and that you want to be around other people. Yeah. It's what makes it all fun. Right. Right. So awesome. Well, thanks for being here today and My for pleasure. chatting with us. Yeah. Right. Thank you for done. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What's changed in the European data center market since IBM opened its first office in Ireland in 1956? Tune in next month to find out more about the evolution of data and its unexpected economic and environmental impacts. Thanks for listening to Building Conversations.